Hello and welcome to the Qubit Guy podcast brought to you by Classic, the quantum algorithm design company. My name is Yuval and my guest today is Andre Koenig. Andre is a quantum investor, entrepreneur and author. We spoke about how private equity and governments are investing in quantum computing, about the gaps he sees in the markets and much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know how we did by emailing hello at classic.io. That's hello at classic.io. Hello, Andre, and thanks for joining me today. Great to see you, Yuval, and hear you. Uh, happy uh, Tuesday to all listeners. Um, so who are you and what do you do? My name is uh, Andre Koenig, uh, calling in uh, out of uh, beautiful South Beach, Miami Beach, overlooking uh, the beach here from my little stand-up desk. I'm uh, originally from Germany. I grew up all over Europe, moved to the U.S. Uh, 20 years ago, spent 15 years in New York City. I'm uh, more of your typical business guy by trade, studied economics at the University of Chicago, um, uh, hold an MBA in, in strategic management, spent over a decade with the big management consulting houses, um, built a consulting firm myself from uh, zero up to 300 consultants, but found myself always working at the intersection of corporate strategy and technology, starting with billing systems, um, customer relationship management systems, enterprise resource systems, and, and so forth um, in, in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, uh, slowly into digital and uh, other technologies later in my career. And uh, about a decade ago, living just a couple blocks uh, away from IBM's new downtown Manhattan um, uh, building that they had erected uh, for their artificial intelligence efforts, IBM Watson, uh, I had been asked if I wanted to start um, a company for them to explore specific vertical use cases in artificial intelligence, which I did with my partner, Christian York, uh, and um, uh, started an effort on signal detection out of unstructured data for Wall Street, exited that four years ago, and on the prompting of um, my largest client and, and friend at that point, um, uh, started to look into quantum technologies, which um, uh, in his words was the true uh, you know, uh, paradigm shifting technology that uh, that was the most exciting one. Uh, went to MIT, took uh, all those classes. Uh, did you know, didn't have enough uh, brain power and energy to do a PhD, but at least learned some of the uh, scientific foundations uh, in it. And started three different ventures in quantum technology that I've been running uh, full time for the last three years. So, what are these quantum ventures? The first one, uh, Interference Advisors, I always say it's a, a little bit of the pitch book of quantum technologies. If, if you're familiar with that vendor, we collected about 30,000 data points on the quantum tech ecosystem globally. Who are the vendors, uh, the users, the use cases, the startups, the investors, the technology, and so forth. And we provide that uh, data and analysis around it to investors, governments, executives around the world to help them in their decision-making, be it strategic or investment-wise. We also do um, projects uh, recently for the Department of Defense here in the US, uh, a gap analysis on the current state of quantum technologies and future state uh, in the US market. Um, uh, so trying to really bring facts and data to a very young and, and still immature and small but fast growing ecosystem. One Quantum 
um, uh, technically still an LLC, but a nonprofit in spirit is a global quantum tech community organization organized in chapters. Um, most of our chapters are regional. We launched two chapters this week in um, South Africa and in Kenya. Uh, we have chapters in India and in Nepal in Latin America. Um, hopefully in Europe soon. Uh, would, would love to start one in, in Israel if, uh, if uh, we can get that done, Yuval. Uh, we also have a startup chapter and uh, very uh, famously a woman in quantum chapter, which, uh, which attracts uh, very large crowds at, uh, at our conferences. And lastly, I have a, a small little uh, investment fund, uh, Entanglement Capital, that operates a startup uh, accelerator for quantum tech growth stage companies. Excellent. So let's start with the community. Um, how large is the community in, in your chapters? How many people are we talking about? Every chapter is different and uh, operated by a volunteer president. So we, we recruit um, folks uh, locally that uh, work in quantum tech or want to work in quantum tech and build these ecosystems and communities. Our Nepal chapter, our email list is uh, roughly 500 people now. At our events, we get 40 to 60 uh, participants um, and a handful actually joined us uh, paying members. Uh, Women in Quantum, led by Denise Ruffner from INQ, our largest chapter, we get two to 3,000 people at our Women in Quantum summits. We, we have hundreds of members uh, in our you know, membership service where we offer uh, a member directory, resources, uh, contacts, networking, and so forth. Um, um, and uh, constantly growing. So the, the overall number uh, fluctuates a, a, a lot between you know, events that we do and uh, what, what we constantly offer, that w which is an evolving kind of uh, value proposition, but uh, it's, uh, it's in the thousands at this point. If you look at the investment side, um certainly looks like there's a lot of money being poured into quantum these days, whether through the public markets or through venture capital. Um, are you seeing the same thing? I think that is a very important question, Yuval. Obviously, we're all excited about quantum technologies. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here, right? And um, yes, investments and investor appetite in quantum technologies is growing, but not quite as strongly as uh, some of the mainstream media might lead you to believe. Uh, we did an analysis of all publicly announced venture capital and angel um, investments, so you know, private investors, private money into quantum computing last year, and it was uh, just about 1 billion USD, uh, which you know, was more than the previous year, but still a relatively small market and something that hadn't been growing significantly. We just recently, looked at the, the first five months of 2021 and compared that to the first five months of 2020. And we noticed that uh, actually uh, the investment market hadn't grown at all. There were three very large deals this year that everybody who is uh, a little bit interested in quantum is familiar with. Uh, SPAC, SPAC deals, public offering deals around INQ uh, and, and others. If you take those statistical tailings out, we had just about 223 million US dollars invested in the first five months of 2021, which compares to $230 million over the same period last year. So that market is holding very steady. What is more interesting is that the average deal count is down from 28 over that period last year to 17 
this year and the average deal size correspondingly up significantly. So we see more later stage investments to support and fuel the growth of ventures and we see fewer you know, bootstrapped seed or, or angel type of investments to um, uh, support new ideas and, and new entrants um, in, in this startup race on the quantum tech side. So yes, the market is growing, but it, uh, it's not uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, everybody uh, uh, is a swimming in money type of uh, ecosystem at this point. Do you also track government investments? Because I know that several governments are looking at quantum as a strategic opportunity and are putting a pretty significant money into quantum projects in, in their countries or regions. We do. Um, and um, uh, everybody has uh, probably heard about um, China and their huge commitment of um, uh, yeah, speculated 11 billion US dollars into quantum technologies. And we're not actually exactly sure what that is for. Um, but that is a huge number and probably the leader of the pack. Uh, if you compare that to other regions, notably the US, where you stand at about two and a half billion currently in, in committed money, but you have bills on the US Senate floor for many billions more, and you have many other organizations such as the Department of Energy, uh, NIST, DARPA, and, uh, and others, puring in um, uh, smaller grant amounts that uh, inflate that, uh, that total to a significantly larger number. That compares to much smaller numbers in Europe, at least historically, over the last year that has changed. Uh, France announced a 2 billion euro program. Germany at this point has uh, invested close to 5 uh, billion um, between uh, state and federal grants uh, into quantum computing. Uh, and all taken together, the European Union, uh, in terms of government grants, is now the leader of the pack. The UK also has a very strong national initiative. Then we have other countries like Australia, um, India, and, and Israel, of course, that announced national strategies that are very well funded. Um, Israel, I believe, announced 350 million US dollars to support the local quantum tech ecosystem. Um, and those numbers are very similar in, in India, Australia, Japan, and, and a couple other places. So uh, very well funded. Actually, uh, Angela Merkel, our outgoing German chancellor, um, uh, uh, just uh, yesterday at a press conference said that Germany needs to spend like it never spent before if they want to stay competitive in this national technology, international technology race. Uh, so governments see the importance of this and, um, and are spending uh, as much as they can. Given that you organize uh, local chapters, that you track deals, and that you also have uh, a small venture capital firm, you probably have very good perspective on whether the US, for instance, is leading or is behind or is about the same as other countries. I mean, do you can you point to a geographical leader in terms of the level of interest and number of companies and so on? define what leadership means. If, uh, if you take this uh, quantitative um, uh, view on it, uh, the US and North America is certainly leading. Um, we always, you know, citing very rough numbers, track roughly 500 startups within quantum information science, so not just quantum computing, but also quantum uh, encryption, sensing, and communications globally. Um, 300 of those are in North America. 
uh, close to 200 in quantum computing and roughly half of those in hardware and the other half in, uh, in software. Uh, so by sheer numbers, um, um, that is uh, you know, the leading market by far compared to Germany, for example, that invests huge amounts of money um, uh, over the last 12 months, where we barely have a dozen uh, different startups. And, and that is the same in, in Israel, in, in Australia, in France, in the UK. UK actually has, has a couple dozen different startups and so forth. You also see the big vendors, IBM, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and so forth in the US that are extremely active um, uh, in this space, which is uh, very unique uh, as well. In Europe, you have a lot, you know, a very strong user base. Um, companies like, uh, and here Germany is leading Volkswagen, BMW, uh, Bosch, BASF, um, and, and many others have been experimenting with the applications of different quantum technologies for, for many years already and continue to invest into this um, significantly. Uh, the, the Netherlands is a very strong market here, more focused on quantum uh, communications and, and encryption. And then you have very strong national programs um, that are a lot more coordinated. I know that is the case in Israel and in, in Australia, in Japan, which has a very strong ecosystem between NEC, uh, Fujitsu, Hitachi, Mitsubishi, the local universities, and, and a very small startup system to uh, deliver on national priorities. Uh, if you take a more qualitative look at it and uh, kind of try to intersect this sheer numbers game with the quality of the research and the quality of the private capital and the quality of the use cases, I think Europe uh, truly plays a, a leading role, um, um, uh, especially since uh, the, the European um, Horizon program and other uh, pan-European efforts have come on the scene that uh, have fostered a very strong cooperation and collaboration between uh, the key European actors and uh, combine you know, superb basic research with, uh, with a strong uh, strategy of uh, commercializing this. Uh, if you take a national uh, perspective at this, and, and I think that this is very important because it has defense and security applications, you can absolutely not uh, neglect uh, what China is doing, especially on the quantum communications and, uh, and encryption side. You mentioned earlier in our conversation that you did a gap analysis, I think, for the Department of Defense without getting into the specific <laughs> results and the specific questions. But through your hat as an investor, where do you see the gaps in quantum computing today? Is it in cloud services, is it hardware, is it software, um, something that's application specific? What's your view on that? Many gaps. And I think the answer to that question, again, depends on what your goal is. Uh, what I can say about the study for the Department of Defense is the perspective was um, in the medium term, let's uh, say the next decade, and how do we secure the, the, the quantum infrastructure and uh, in that respect, the workforce um, was the main um, key success factor that we looked at and the biggest gap. How do we graduate sufficient um, uh, PhDs in, in physics and related fields? But how do we also build the ecosystem of developers, analysts, uh, business folks that understand the space and the next generation of students um, to really make sure we're able to deliver on all of these uh, initiatives. And, and that is a huge concern. 
um, and the data unfortunately uh, validated that uh, not only in the US but um, uh, most uh, most likely in all the uh, large global markets. Beyond that, I think uh, the biggest gap and the biggest challenge is how do we avoid quantum fatigue? And a lot of folks use this term quantum winter that I'm trying to avoid here because it's been overused uh, at this point. But uh, as much as we've delivered tremendous progress, especially on the product and technology side of quantum technologies, um, we have failed to deliver a bottom line impact, yet we have brought in many corporate partners, many private investors, board of directors, um, people that are itching to see bottom line results to justify their investments and, and financial resources and time. I think that will be the biggest struggle. And how do we solve that through cloud offerings, through consulting offers, offering through hybrid classical quantum offerings in the near term is uh, another key challenge. When you look at the amount of investments that you mentioned earlier, what do you attribute that stagnation to, that the total investment is about the same as it was last year? I had a conversation with one of the very large venture capital funds um, a, a few months ago. Their line of thinking was that um, we made one big investment and that is basically the equivalent of we put our chips on the table, but uh, we're not going to double down on it. We're, we're just going to sit at the table, try to understand um, how this game of, of quantum technologies is going to, to pan out and observe it for a while. So I think everybody wants a seat at the table, but lacking a clear understanding of what the timeline of our product roadmaps are, what revenue models uh, will be, what go-to-market channels will be successful. Uh, there isn't yet the appetite to really build big portfolios of investments in, in quantum technologies, and rightly so. Obviously, you, you then have a, a lot of you know, less professional money that wants to get into this game. And I think there we just uh, see a lack of resources to, number one, get the deal flow. You can't really... Uh, just uh, pick up the yellow pages and uh, look for quantum computing startup or, or quantum tech startup. And number two, how do you do the due diligence, especially when you start to look at hardware or algorithms that is extremely, extremely difficult to do and a challenge for everybody. Uh, so I think we're just extremely resource constrained on, on that front. So as we move closer to the end of our conversation today, uh, what kind of deals are you looking for in your venture fund? What kind of companies are interesting to you? Entanglement Capital, our hypothesis is that through the communities and chapters at One Quantum, uh, we have you know, deal flow that is earlier and, and larger than many others. Um, we're privileged to see a lot of teams emerge before others and build close relationship with founders. Uh, through interference advisors, we also have a lot of data that allows us to build some early benchmarks and comparables to do uh, some sort of due diligence that might hopefully be more insightful than, than others as well. So combining these two is uh, our investment thesis, especially as we look at the growth stage startups, teams that you know have raised their government grant money, um, uh, maybe uh, some early research partnerships with paying customers 
and are now looking to scale that, go for their first uh, bigger check size, but need some help in building up these metrics um, that uh, VC investors like to see. Um, uh, that is an opportunity that I think is still underserved in the quantum tech market. Very interesting. So how can people get in touch with you to learn more about your work? Uh, AndreKoenig.com is uh, the best way to do it. You'll see uh, a bunch of my silly videos and, and other references, but uh, most importantly, a contact form and all my social media channels. So just go to AndreKoenig.com and I'd uh, love to hear from you. That's perfect. Thank you very much, Andre, for joining me today. Thank you for you all for having me.